WCHD3 Detroit, KMPS HD3 Seattle, WBMX HD3 Boston, and on AOL Radio and Yahoo Launchcast. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. What do governments really know about UFOs? Are they really back-engineering alien craft? Are they afraid to tell us the truth? Or is there another agenda? Hello, and welcome to the 252nd edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and the guy asking those many and varied questions was my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. Tonight we are privileged to have with us the distinguished author, statesman, and speaker, the Honorable Paul T. Hellyer. Mr. Hellyer has enjoyed one of the longest and most varied political careers in Canada's history. In 1949, he became the youngest person to that point ever elected to the Canadian Parliament. He lost his seat in the election of 1957, but returned to Parliament the following year. In 1963, he became Minister of National Defense in the Liberal government of Prime Minister Lester Pearson. A native of Ontario, Mr. Hellyer served a, at a time of great change in Canada, from the controversial adoption of the new Maple Leaf flag in 1965 to the contentious unification of the Canadian Army, Navy, and Air Force into a combined service in 1968. Mr. Hellyer might have become Prime Minister in 1968, had, but lost out during the Liberal Party convention to dear old Pierre Elliott Trudeau. He was the senior minister in Trudeau's cabinet and continued to serve in Parliament until 1974, Mr. Hellyer has been something of a gadfly in Canadian politics ever since, being an outspoken opponent of globalization and against the militarization of outer space. Mr. Hellyer has been interested in UFOs since the 1960s, but it was in 2005 that he publicly came forward as a believer in extraterrestrials, not only as visitors, but as movers and shakers in human history. He has become an outspoken advocate for UFO disclosure. And in addition, he remains on the national and international stage as an advocate for, again, against globalization. He is the author of a number of books on public affairs. In 2008, he won the Paradigm Research Group's Award for Political Courage. His website, www.paulhellyerweb.com. Paul Hellyer is with H-E-L-L-Y-E-R, paulhellyerweb.com. We'll get it. Mr. Hellyer. Oh, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. It's a pleasure. Good to be with you. Very good. And this is the first of two shows we're doing with Mr. Hellyer. These hours go very quickly, as regular listeners know, especially when you have lots of commercials as we do here on CBS. So we will continue right now with our questions, starting with Ben. When did you first come to believe in an extraterrestrial presence on Earth? Well, as far as being absolutely certain is concerned, only about six years ago. When I was minister, of course, I got reports of sightings. But um, I was too busy unifying the Canadian Armed Forces, which was virtually a war of its, of its own. Yeah, so I heard. to be concerned about uh, these things, and I didn't know what questions to ask, and I didn't know what it was I wanted to know because I was so preoccupied, preoccupied with other things. So I got, um, you know, reports from time to time on sightings, which showed, as they do in most countries, about 80% to natural causes and the other 20% uh, roughly uh, unexplained. But it was only in 19, it was only 2005 that I became absolutely convinced. Uh, before that, I had seen uh, the uh, ABC special, two-hour special, that influenced me and uh, made me believe that uh, all of those pilots and ex-Air uh, Force people and policemen were not all liars. There were 
honest people by the looks of them. They were telling the truth, and that there had to be something real about it. And uh, I had been getting information from a young French-speaking Canadian in Ottawa, and uh, he kept sending me stuff that I didn't have time to read, but he was very patient with me. And eventually he sent me a book uh, called The Day After Roswell by Colonel Philip Corso, mm-hmm. who's in the United States Army Intelligence. And he um, said, that'll make a good read sometime. But I didn't have time to read it right away. I got at it uh, finally in 2005 and uh, said to myself, hey, this, this isn't, this isn't uh, fiction. I don't read much fiction. The year before, I'd read uh, The Life of Pi. I don't know if you've read that or not, but some ordinary of... guys like me, I didn't know until the last few pages whether it was real or whether it wasn't. <laughs> I, like I, an American echo this, novel. <laughs> this, I said, this, this is not another Life of Pi, because I recognize the names of these military bases, <clears throat> the generals that, of course, I was talking about, and they're real places and real people. So there has to be something, you know, there has to be something to this. Well, one when I was sitting at the lake, as a matter of fact, almost about 50 yards from where I'm sitting at this very moment, um, my nephew came along and said, what are you reading? And I told him, and he said, well, I'm a skeptic. I said, it's a free country. You're entitled to be a skeptic if you want. But um, he went home, and uh, a couple of days later, he phoned and he said, I phoned the general and uh, told him what you were reading. And he said, every word of it is, is true and more. He said, where can I get a copy? By then I had finished the book and had made up my mind that it was real and that there were some very important issues in there that had to be uh, debated, in the, not only in the United States but uh, elsewhere because they affect the planet as a whole and maybe the future of, uh, of our species. And uh, so... I had received this invitation to speak in Toronto in September. I had no intention of, of accepting it because I didn't really know about, enough about the subject to speak out. And, uh, but, and also, I was getting married a week to the day from the date of the, of the uh, meeting at the Toronto University. Oh, dear. And that uh, sort of raised a problem. I had to phone my wife and ask for... Uh, her consent. I told her this will just be a one-time off thing. It's probably the <laughs> biggest inadvertent lie I ever told. <laughs> and then uh, before I actually made up my mind, I phoned the general who I had met uh, a couple of years earlier at an air show. And uh, I had been given his telephone number and he'd been given a heads up that I was going to call him. I phoned him and uh, and he started right out by saying, yes, every word is true and more. And he spent about 20 minutes talking to me about the more. And so with that assurance, I went uh, to the convocation and uh, and said uh, that UFOs are as real as the airplanes flying over your head because I was absolutely convinced that they were, and I'm even more convinced now than I have ever been. So that's how it, I sort of got into the business, and uh, it was unexpected in a sense, unwelcome, but on the other hand, a great opportunity to learn. And I think uh, one of the most uh, important things in life is to keep on learning, never stop. Yeah, so and, true. And so it's been a great adventure because uh, information started coming in from all over the world. 
Uh, people got in touch with me. A number of the best-known ufologists uh, gave me private briefings, and uh, people sent me papers that have been classified and others and, uh, and books of all kinds. And I've read, uh, I can't even count how many of them. So if I was in kindergarten about five, six years ago, I figure I'm about grade five, four or five now. <laughs> I see. Well, as are all of us. Maybe approaching six by the end of the year. Very good. Well, as, well the you know, unofficial motto of this show is everything you know is wrong. So we're, we're all starting from scratch. But uh, we do have to take a commercial break coming up, and uh, we're on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, newskyradio.co. Oh, boy, I'm too early. I'm sorry. Ah, the producers, ah, I misread the clock. I'm sorry. Belay that. Okay, we're, uh, we're, we're going to go to our next question. Go ahead, Ben, before I get us in any more trouble. Okay, on that note, how you have had a very long and distinguished career in Canadian politics. So what did your colleagues think when you, quote-unquote, went public on UFOs? Well, most of them don't speak to me anymore. Oh. So it didn't really bother me or them. Um, quite a few of my friends were impressed because they know that I'm someone who was I'm liberal, liberally bent, but I'm very conservative in my what I say, and I don't say anything unless I'm absolutely sure that it's right or as sure as I can possibly be. And so when I said that UFOs were real, there were a lot of people um, in my acquaintance who said, well, we were skeptics before, but if you believe that they're real, I, they must be. So uh, that was uh, that was encouraging, and there, there are a lot of people like that. And uh, so I find two classes of people, basically the ones who say, yeah, I saw one of those when I was a boy, driving along the road and there it was up ahead and we stopped and looked and all that sort of thing. And that happens all the time. It started happening right away after I went public. And uh, I still bump into a lot of people who say, sure, we saw one when we were kids, but we've never talked about it because we didn't want to be uh, labeled as a little bit cuckoo. Precisely. Well, uh, if it makes you feel any better, uh, several of our Canadian cousins were very impressed you are going to be with us this evening. So, uh, now, uh, go ahead, Ben. You have another question? All right, so... When you were minister, uh, the minister of national defense, did you ever have access to the official information about UFOs? No, no you kind of touched on that. Yeah, but give a little more. Not, not really. And if you know how the system works, and your government has the same problem, that uh, certain members of what Lewis Lappin, the editor of Farber's Magazine, calls the permanent government, um, they, they like to keep information very closely held. And often they don't like to share it with politicians that they sort of consider a nuisance that come and go. Mm -hmm. And uh, and often there's there's highly classified information that should be passed on to uh, political leaders, and it's not. And you know you have that problem in your own country that the president, I'm told, is not cleared for all of the black ops. No. And and the, the people just say, well, you you don't you have no need to know, and so we're not going to tell you. Well, that's, in my opinion, first of all, not very democratic. I don't know how anybody can claim to be democratic if the commander-in-chief is not privy to what his uh, troops are doing. But uh, that's a, well, that's a big issue that has to really be tackled in the terms of disclosure and and what the American people are entitled to know. They've got, if anything, they have a lot, actually, if they knew about it, Mm -hmm. or the hundreds of billions, maybe trillions of dollars that they have spent over the last 60 years of back engineering the uh, 
the ET technology. Yeah, this is one of the big issues uh, that, coinc- that comes in with all of the others, and that is uh, how can you spend that much money when in a democracy it's supposed to be all known by the people who vote the money and them not know what they're voting for? Well, one would I think, think so. Good question to ask some congressmen that uh, have tried over the years to find out what was going on. Yeah, that's it. Well, they don't know anything either. But uh, we are coming up on a break. However, right. um, go well, ahead, Ben. Let's, let's just introduce this question yeah. before we have to go. He's, he's rather touched on it, but go ahead. All right. So what do you know about the American involvement with UFOs, and where did you get the information? Well, from hundreds of sources. It's, you know, there's no need to tell you about the literature. Mm. There's all kinds of literature, and I've just said I've read dozens of books, mm-hmm. but I've met most of the major ufologists in the United States, the ones that are on everybody's lips, and talked to them and been briefed by them and uh, and had long discussions with them. And uh, then I've uh, also talked to a lot of uh, whistleblowers who have actually been in the military and some who have worked in the underground facilities in Nevada and Arizona and picked up all of this information from people who uh, know more about it than just about anybody except the some of the people we call in the loop, maybe the ones from MJ-12 and so on. Okay, very good. Well, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little more in depth here about the, this subject and get into some of the other world, world affairs that are of concern to Mr. Hellier. And we are uh, Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. We have a real break coming this time. Stay with us. CBS Radio's The New Sky. NewSkyRadio.com. This is The Lisa J. Smith Show. So you say you want to be a rock star, so why don't you go ahead and be one? This is Lisa J. Smith. You can listen to me every day at 3 o'clock Eastern. Lisa J. Now, right here at CBS Radio, The Sky. Look up to the sky. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Reach out. NewSkyRadio.com. All the weapons, all the greed, all the army, 
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. And we are back on Behind the Paranormal with the Honorable Paul T. Hellyer, our very distinguished guest this evening. And Ben has our next question. Okay. Oh, okay, now we're down here. Several of the U.S. Um, Air Force people who experienced the Rendlesham Forest incidents in 1980 are convinced that these were travelers from the remote future, not space aliens. Could that be the real explanation for UFOs, or at least in some cases? I'm, as you have said, um, these things are hard to know for sure. But soon after I went public, a uh, chap by the name of Nick Pope who worked uh, with the uh, Department of Defense in Britain. Yeah, we know Nick well. So said he'd like to see me, and I was going to London, so we had lunch together. He gave me a couple of cases that were on the record, and that was one of them. And he gave me the uh, coordinates of Colonel uh, Charles Halt. And so when I got home, I wrote him, and he said, well, I don't usually answer uh, correspondence on this subject, but seeing that uh, Nick Pope recommended you, I have been glad to see you. <laughs> so I went to, uh, when I was in Washington, uh, for actually the National Prayer Breakfast that year, I, I made arrangement to go down to the gated community where he uh, was the chief man and had lunch with him, and we had a long interview, and uh, tape recorded it, and put quite a slice, but quite a lot of it in my book, right at the end of the tunnel, A Survival Plan for the Human Species. The book is not UFOs, per se. It's it's about just what it says, the state of the world and uh, the condition that we're in and what we have to do to keep the world from going to hell in the handbasket. But I put in a, a long chapter about the ET presence and uh, and technology under the heading of We Are Not Alone in the Cosmos. And I quoted uh, Colonel Halt at considerable length because he was a perfect example of someone who was a total skeptic right up until the last minute. But then at uh, the Christmas party when he was the one designated to go, he said, I'll go and put an end to this nonsense once and for all. Well, he went but instead of putting an end to this nonsense once and for all, it changed his life forever. And he saw the machines. He saw the imprints that they made in the ground. He then took more seriously the NGOs, the um, non-commissioned officers, the NCOs, who had uh, been involved in the first place a couple of days earlier. And um, he has become an outspoken uh, person who says these things are real and we did see them and we did photograph them and so on and nothing is going to shake his his belief that um, that they were there for some purpose and one of the purposes seems to be that they were concerned about the development of nuclear weapons here on earth mm. and whereas they may have been coming to the earth for hundreds of thousands of years before that 
that when we developed the nuclear weapons and started using them, we became very, very concerned about what we were going to do to our environment and the future of the world and uh, decided to take a much closer look and, uh, and see what the, the situation was. And it appears they've done inventory of, of all the, the nuclear installations of all the countries that have nuclear weapons worldwide. And uh, I think this, this just proves that they were, they were concerned about us and what we were doing and thinking that we were going in the wrong directions and that we were probably making some terrible mistakes that uh, we would live to well, we might not live to regret. We just mm -hmm. regret yes. if we ever started using nuclear weapons and that sort of thing. So um, I guess he, he became a convert, and now he's one of the people who, as you know, he was at the press conference some months ago in Washington that mm -hmm. did get a little uh, attention in the uh, mainline press, not very much, but, but some. And uh, so I, I, the reason I quoted him at length is because he went through the whole process of then having to go back and look for documents, and they had strangely disappeared. And for his friends who were in the intelligence business just acting as if they'd never heard of uh, what he was talking about and all this sort of thing. It's quite, quite a revealing uh, little section, and I recommend it to, uh, to people who want to primer on the, on the subject or have friends that they would like to influence. Get a copy of Light at the End of the Tunnel and, mm -hmm. uh, and have them read that chapter, and they'll probably be like me and uh, move from, uh, from agnosticism to... Uh, belief, or if not, at least reach the stage where they'd want to get some more books and uh, learn a lot more about it. Okay. Well, rather than try and squeeze it in at the end, why don't you tell us now, I wanted to give you a chance to talk about your book and your website, but The Light at the End of the Tunnel, why don't you tell us a little bit more about it, uh, where people can get it, and what else is in it? Well, the, yeah, the, the book is really about the state of the world, and uh, what I'm saying is that our planet is in a desperately serious trouble. And all of us, including your listeners, have a moral obligation to, to really try and do something about it before it's too late. And the, I list the three or four problems that are primary uh, in the world. And the most important one is global warming. And um, I say that we have probably 10 years maximum to switch from fossil fuels to clean energy. Uh, not the 30 or 40 years or 50 years that some of our world leaders are talking about. It's really, what I'm saying is it's too late to drill from more oil in the Gulf or to develop more uh, tar sands development of the Alberta, uh, Canada, and this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. We're past that stage. We've got to move to clean energy, and we've got to do it right away. Well, then the second problem, which is almost as great, and is more urgent, and that is changing the monetary system, the world financial system, which is, as I said in the speech at the uh, 21st annual uh, uh, UFO conference in Scottsdale in February, a gigantic fraud. It's, it's a, a global fraud, and we have to change it, or nations won't have the money in order to make this change over from fossil fuels to clean energy in the 10 years maximum that we got, we have. They're just they're, they're going broke. They can't pay their bills. They can't pay the interest on the debt. 
And so the system has got to be revised fundamentally, and the fraud has to be eliminated, and I go into details as to what has to be done in that respect. Okay. And then the third, which is related, is total disclosure of the uh, U.S. situation, back engineering, and especially the exotic fuels that uh, we're led to believe that they have developed. And uh, I've been told that as long as 10 years ago or more, that they had developed both zero-point energy and cold fusion. Hmm. And these are the things that we need to save the world from global warming. And they should be in the public domain, and they should have uh, be made accessible to people all over the world, to the Chinese and the Africans and everybody else, so that we could stop uh, doing the things that we're doing now, building more coal-fired uh, generating stations in China. They build them so often, it's, you know, several a week. And uh, that has got to stop. And in Africa, they've got to stop burning, taking down their forests in order to get fuel just to uh, do their cooking. And this, this is possible. The technology exists. And even if it isn't in commercial shape at the moment, the extraterrestrials would give it to us if we stopped shooting at them. I have no doubt about that because they have a, an interest in our planet. And whether it's for our sake or theirs or both, uh, they don't want us to, uh, to wreck it. And they would make sure that we had the technology uh, if we don't already have it, which I am uh, personally convinced that we do. So this and this, the final thing, of course, is that we as people have to change and become less uh, self-interested and, uh, and stop worshipping money and start uh, being more concerned about our fellow uh, men and women and, uh, and change our priorities, spend less on military spending and more on building a world where every child uh, has enough food to eat and uh, clean water to drink, shirt on the back and uh, roof over their heads and a little basic education, a little basic health care. Okay. That kind of world, a just world. And that's what we should be working at. So the whole thing ties together in sort of a a unity, which I'm beginning to find is the same as the cosmos. You're right. We are not just one little planet floating around by ourselves, independent of the rest of the cosmos. We're an integral part of it. And what we do here actually has an effect on the cosmos. And uh, people elsewhere who have come to visit us are aware of that. And don't want us mucking our thing, our planet up if it's going to have a negative effect uh, even beyond our, when I say our borders, beyond our, the limits of our planet. Okay. So th- these are basically the things that uh, I address in the book. And a lot of my American friends have told me that they learn more about their own country from my book than they had realized before. And no doubt. And learn things like the, uh, the plan for a new American century and uh, how this uh, included several wars in the Middle East, some of which are already in the process or have been in the process. And it, it really opens your eyes as to what's going on, and I make it clear that people are pulling the strings, and they're using us as puppets, well, actually using us as slaves yeah. to do their bidding. And we have to take some action and uh, do something to uh, to stop that and uh, and to 
to it as soon as we possibly can for our own benefits and especially for the benefit of uh, future generations, our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Uh-huh. Well, in a funny way, it sounds like uh, some of the elements in my last book, which I think I'm going to send you if you have time to read it. Actually, uh, I've kind of led you right where I want you for, the, for my, my series of questions because there may... Oh, I'm going to have to wait till after the break. We're on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com with our distinguished guest, the Honorable Paul Hellyer. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New Horizons. No boundaries. All day long, we're devoted to your emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being. With your direct connect to the stars, Lisa J. Smith, The Dr. Pat Show, Liz Souza, Barbara Mackey, Glynis McCants, The Wake Up Call, with L. Newman and Tom Force. Let us know how we're doing. 248-545-7685. Log on. NewSkyRadio.com. 24 hours a day. Your spiritual well-being is our concern. Awaken the extraordinary. Live the life you've imagined. Look up to the sky. CBS Radio's The New Sky. NewSkyRadio.com. New horizons, no boundaries.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. And we are back with our very distinguished guest, uh, the Honorable Paul T. Hellyer, author, statesman, and uh, former Canadian Minister of National Defense. And we're talking about uh, the... ET presence and its implications, and a number of other global issues that that may uh, surround that and may or may not be related to it. Now, I have uh, rather le- I, I think led him into a particular series of questions that I hope uh, we can get into here in some depth. Now, uh, Mr. Hallie, you recently took exception to Dr. Stephen Hawking's assertion that if there are aliens capable of traveling here, they might very well be hostile. What makes you think that Hawking is wrong? Well, he said he described them in a way that was so far from the reality of the species that we're aware of that I thought that he should be either more aware or not to be so, you know, presume. Because certainly uh, the overwhelming evidence has been that they were benign, and certainly most of them have been. I don't know of a single instance where they have shot first. Um, I've, I've looked at a number of these cases, and, and they have retaliated in some cases where they have uh, been shot at, but they never uh, started the action and usually, if possible, took evasive action. And General Twining, uh, way back just after the Roswell days, uh, designated the visitors from other planets as, as enemy alien. And I think it would be a very good question to ask the, the loop, the inner circle of people in the United States military, if that uh, order is still in effect or if it has been rescinded. Hmm. Because it, it looks as if they're still treated as enemy alien. And what does that mean as far as cooperation is concerned? and the possibility of conflict. And if the rumors are true, then the United States military have been working for years on weapons based on some of the information that they gained from the extraterrestrials in order to have the capability of immobilizing their vehicles and getting them to crash. And that these have been the primary reason for Star Wars and since that for the anti-ballistic missile uh, system that they used as a cover in the early days of what they called the rogue missiles. And this was just a cover because the rogue missile thing was never a real issue that you could worry about. And uh, and it was a cover for installing a space uh, a protective uh, layer with real, real weapons capable of shooting down visitors from other planets. And so I think Americans have the right to know that. Have have the U.S. military put weapons in space that are designed at least as much against the visitors from other planets and star systems as they are against anybody on Earth? And if so, why? And what are the intentions? You know, what's what's going on? And uh, that's the reason I think that my military friends and others are saying. Uh, hey, we want the truth and we want the whole truth 
and the sooner we get it, the better. And, of course, I'm sure you've uh, interviewed Jim Sparks at some stage. Actually, we haven't. You haven't? He's on our list of things to do, but we haven't interviewed him yet. He would he would be a good person to have on because he has he was conscious during many of his or most of his abductions mm-hmm. and really has picked up more information than just about anybody that I have talked to. And um, what he said is that uh, and this he got this from the extraterrestrials, and he allowed me to quote uh, in my book what he had written in his book about it. And that was one of the things that has to be done is to grant amnesty to the people who have been working in the back engineering because they have uh, committed uh, just about every crime in the book. And if you want them to talk, if you insist on getting a real investigation going, starting going right back and following the whole thing through from whenever they started back engineering, which could have been the, the late 40s, right through to the present. And if you want people to talk and to come clean, then they've got to know that if they do tell the truth, that they're not going to wind up behind bars for the rest of their lives or mm. at least for some extended period. So I think this is uh, this is fundamental that uh, most of them are not going to... They're going to have bad memories unless they have uh, amnesty granted for telling the truth. All right, well, the entire abduction thing, uh, some might say if that's not a sign of hostility, then there is no such thing. But, but let, let me get a little deeper into, and I'll let you respond to that later, but I wanted to try and get a little deeper here. Now, and we'll get into a bit of this during the break. Uh, ben and I tend to think a little differently than most people, even in the paranormal field. Most researchers interpret, or most people interpret phenomena, paranormal phenomena included, whether it be UFOs, ghosts, cryptids, or whatever, from our own human frame of reference. From this standpoint, aliens would be material beings from other planets or perhaps maybe other dimensions traveling in material craft powered by some physically definable form of energy, all of which can be back-engineered. But what if that's not good enough? What if we're dealing with something so outside our own frame of reference that and, and any agenda we can imagine that we have to come up with a whole new paradigm to even define it? What say you? Well, I think probably the answer is both. Um, I I make the statement in my book that we live in a cosmos teeming with life, Mm -hmm. both physical and otherwise. Yes, well, you must be a fan. I think that is the reality that we have to come to terms with. Yeah, well, the point is, uh, as I I said during the break, in in my 40 years of work in the paranormal, and Ben's now five or six, he'll agree that nothing is what it appears to be. And you, you could you could expand that to define life in a way. You always have to look deeper. And things aren't always from our own frame of reference. My point being that uh, everything you discuss in your book may be related. We deal with things... We deal with the paranormal in ways that most people don't. We look at all sorts of different phenomena, not just UFOs or not just, you know, Bigfoot or all this... or ghosts or all this... We look at it all together, and we find some very disturbing parallels among particularly ghost phenomena and UFO phenomena. And there seems to be a certain strain of hostility among the entities we encounter 
because we uh, we don't look at the spiritualist point of view. We, we look at the multiverse quantum physics point of view. And when you do that, all sorts of interesting things come to light, at least in our experience and our opinion, if we're right. So my point being... Um, we we tend to agree with Hawking that you know regardless of where he's coming from, that this needs to be approached with great caution. And we have people who favor exopolitics and talk about it, you know, including yourself, I believe, uh, who are very good people, sweet spirited people who want the best for all of us and for the whole human race. And I wish we could agree a hundred percent on the, the the benign nature of these critters, but. I just well, can't. I think uh, I'm talking about the the physical ones. I think when you get into the uh, the other realm, that there are some very serious uh, evil forces at stake, and they may be what you're talking about. Perhaps that they, they are they are the people who are responsible for the Hitlers of this world, mm. and who in my opinion, may have an influence on the people running the banking system. Yes, exactly. That's, that's very true, I think. And, and uh, saying, well, you know, who cares about oh, we have to people? I'm sorry to interrupt again, but we have our final break here, and we'll be right back on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. Stay with us.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. NewSkyRadio.com. And we're back with our distinguished guest, the Honorable Paul T. Hellier, Canada's former Minister of National Defense. And we've been talking about some of the deeper questions associated with the uh, UFO phenomenon, and I think we'll get more into that in our next show because he's going to be with us for two shows. But I wanted to get one or two more questions in here in our final section with Ben. All right. Uh, Canada has had its share of crop circles. So do you feel that these are connected with UFOs? I do, yes, except for the odd one that's been deliberately done as a hoax. Mm. Uh, well, okay, to, so to your knowledge, uh, what alien contacts have occurred on Earth, and have they been more with governments or individual people? Well, I think there's been both, but um, one of the things that the general told me that there have been face-to-face contact between U.S. officials and uh, visitors from elsewhere, and I believe that. And then uh, more recently, for example, I was uh, introduced to uh, Charles Hall, and he was the United States Airman who worked in the uh, bombing and gunnery range in Nevada. As opposed to Charles Halt. Yeah, it it sounds so familiar. They're so close that it's difficult to keep them apart. But this is uh, another chap, and he's written a book called Millennium Hospitality, Mm. which you may have read. It's worth reading if you haven't. And he uh, he became uh, involved with them, and he worked very closely with them, with a species that I hadn't heard about when I wrote my book. And they're they're called the tall whites. And uh, really? he he tells quite a bit about them in his book, and uh, and that they were involved with the United States Air Force. They were living on the United States Air Force property, the property that you couldn't even get near, and. Uh, they were working there back in the 1960s and exchanging technology with the Air Force at that time. And they had scout ships uh, going up and down the valley, and they had a mother ship that came in uh, from elsewhere. Uh, somebody told me the other day twice monthly, but I think he told me once monthly uh, uh, when the moon was full, and it would land and then it went into a hangar on the side of the mountain. But all of this was going on in the 1960s. So in the speech that I made uh, in Arizona, I said, here's, this just demonstrates the, the fraud of the United States government in pretending that it hasn't been interested in UFOs and the ET uh, presence. Because officially, I guess they still don't exist. Apparently and, not, not officially, no. But still, they've been working on the technology and working with some of the aliens of different species, probably, for uh, 60 years, 50 or 60 years. And this is just a perfect example, and and Hall goes into considerable detail about how long they live and uh, and what they eat and all of that sort of thing. But uh, I found it quite a revelation. I talked to him... uh, a considerable length, and I believe him too to be an honest man and uh, telling the truth. And it just adds additional pressure, as far as I'm concerned, to the demand for uh, for full disclosure. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd had his story before I wrote my book, uh, Light at the End of the Tunnel, 
the survival plan for the human species because I certainly would have included it. Indeed. Uh, if I ever have a second edition, uh, it, <laughs> I would put it in for sure. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, it's a, it's a, a would be a good book for people to take on summer holidays with them if they want something that uh, really tells them what's going on in the world and who's in charge, who's pulling the strings, and how it uh, is really detrimental to the average person and uh, has made slaves of us all and that we have to work for the money lenders, spend most of our time uh, paying interest on on our mortgages or paying taxes to pay the uh, interest on the bonds that our yeah. government gave in exchange for the money that borrowed from private interests who made created the money out of thin air. Indentured yeah, servitude. It's stupid. Yeah. Incidentally, there is a, I haven't mentioned yet, there is a, a website. For people who want to get a look at the speech that I made in February, which is the most direct and, and toughest speech I've ever made in my whole life, you can go to a website called www.victoryfortheworld.net. It's www.victoryfortheworld.net. And they can download the speech, but they can also see books that they can get, that they can read, that give them far more information about the subject of what's going on in the world as far as the finances are concerned. There's a book called The Web of Debt, written by Ellen Brown, a lawyer from... Uh, California, and if you read the first hundred pages of that book, you'll want to throw up when you find out what the banks have done over the years and how they pulled the wool over our eyes, and how the uh, the Congress uh, really sold the U.S. down the river when they uh, allowed the Federal Reserve System to be set up because they just gave away the most valuable asset the American people have and put it in the hands of, uh, of private individuals. There is also on that website action plans, one for Canada, one for the United States, and one for the world. And after you learn more about the subject and how, where, what money is and where it comes from and the importance it is of it in the present situation, the absolute necessity of changing the system if we want to change the, the, the uh, situation with global warming and so on, you can look at the action plan for the United States and if any of it appeals to you, uh, why do something about it, and if enough people do, eventually the politicians may, hopefully, or let's pray, get the message and do something before it's too late. Indeed. I was going to ask you, do you object to our uh, putting your speech to the UFO Congress on uh, our show website, on the talking? Oh, that, that would be fine. Uh, well, along with the links you mentioned. Well, I think we'll do that. That would be great. That, that would be fine, because the, I think it's it's a, a speech that explains a fair fairly well what has happened in the monetary field. And some of my friends, for example, after they read the speech, they said, well, Paul, after all of these years, I finally understand what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, very good. Well, I'm afraid we're flat out of time, but I refer you to Light at the End of the Tunnel, excellent book by the Honorable Paul Hellyer and his website, paulhellyerweb.com. Okay, very good. Mr. Hellyer, we look forward to uh, your next appearance on the show, which will be, uh, let's see, what am I looking at here? We will not be here. That will be July, wait a minute. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll let people know. July 11th? I, think I believe it's it? July 11th. That's right. No. That's right. And uh, we'll see you on our New England show. We look forward, and we'll hope we'll get some more sunshine in the meantime. Well, that would be wonderful. Oh, yeah. Thank you for a fascinating conversation. We'll talk to you then. Thank you. Very good. Thanks. Right. Bye. Goodbye. Okay, everybody. Well, we refer you to uh, our wonderful producer, Will Kosnick, and we thank him. 
We won't see you next Sunday, July 3rd, because we'll be enjoying the uh, July 4th holiday weekend with some of our relatives here in the U.S., but we'll be back live on July 10th when Ben and I will take the hour to talk about what are ghosts. All right. In the meantime, tune into our New England Drive Time show on WO1240AM at 6 p.m. every Monday. And remember, you can always get free podcasts of all our shows along with show schedules and guest information at www.behindtheparanormal.com. And we were talking about our Rendlesham series tonight. We did 16 hours on the year last year with all the Rendlesham witnesses and a number of other prominent folks in the field. And if you go to behindtheparanormal.com, there are podcasts of that. So we leave you with a word from American astronaut Charles Day Camerata, Ph.D., Quote, in my official status, I cannot comment on ET contact. However, personally, I can assure you we are not alone. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time.